Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Michael, Gordy, today we are short Maddie. Uh, she is not available, but um, we've got some Flames content we can go over. Uh, the Flames... Big win on Saturday night, 7-3, taking down the Wild, which, guys, a uh, pretty good bounce-back game from the thumping they took against the Canucks on Thursday night where they lost 7-1 to in Vancouver. Uh, Michael, your thoughts? Um, well, yeah, the Vancouver game, like, we all knew they were due to lose eventually. I think it was a little bit surprising to see it kind of go as badly as it did. But it, it was a weird game in that I thought they played pretty well for the first 25, 30 minutes, and then they started gifting Vancouver some power plays, and the penalty kill was uncharacteristically pretty soft that game. And, yeah, things got kind of out of control. It's a game – like, those games happen over the course of a season, and I don't know. I, I In one way, it's almost just easier if you lose your streak like that because, like, you just kind of throw out the game tape and you come back for the next one. And, yeah, no, I think it was it was disappointing, but – Hopefully they're starting another streak now. Yeah, Gordy, that game was kind of weird from the get-go. Like, it's 4-1. to one. Markstrom loses the skate blade. They can't get the blade back on his skate. So they put in Vladar. Vladar comes in, gives up a goal on the second shot. Then he gives up the penalty shot goal because Rasmus Anderson's got his hand on the puck in the crease. That whole game was just weird. Oh, yeah. It was just pure chaos. And, I mean... Like the Flames were not going to win the last 50 games straight or whatever the rest yeah. of the season is. So we, we knew that streak was going to come to an end. So, yeah, almost like an unceremonious ending like that's almost what they needed. The refing was what it was in that game. I mean, in today's NHL, you definitely don't see that big of a discrepancy between power plays. But the the important thing really was, I think, the bounce back and how they would respond to that. And I mean, we saw what happened against Minnesota. So I think we can already start to look at that Vancouver game in the rearview mirror for what it was. It was, I mean, it was a pretty emotional night in Vancouver. They had Demko in the pads. They had the flying skates out. It's it's not a game you're probably going to win with all those um, qualifiers. But I mean, they're they're right back where they were before that. So not too much concern, I think. 100%. They come back home. Calgary wins their 11th in a row at the Saddle Dome, which is insane thinking at one point they were 4-4-4 four, four, and, four, and we we're like, they are so bad. They really need to get turn it on. And they have. Um, they've been unbeatable. What is They scored 53 goals to giving up 15. They're averaging almost five goals a game at home, which is insane. Um, so Wild come in and the Wild score early. It's one nothing, And then all of a sudden the floodgates open and the Flames just, just took that game. Uh, Michael, uh, Tyler Toffoli, great game. Kachuk had a great game. Uh, scoring came from kind of all over the place. They weren't relying on Goudreau and Lindholm, which was nice to see. Yeah, it was what it was kind of with that early start. Like they fall behind one nothing right away, and it kind of felt like, oh no, is this going to be like the start of like a snowball kind of thing? They lo- they they broke the streak. They lost their last game. Is this going to be a kind of the start of something? But they immediately turned that around. Ended the first period up three one. I think the shots were like eighteen to four. They just absolutely dominated from that point on, and it was. 
really nice to see. Yeah, I thought Toffoli had a pretty good game. Um, I really like him on the top power play unit. I just think mm-hmm. his shot with the playmakers they have just fits so well out there. And then it just kind of, yeah, it all just kind of gelled together. Minnesota's a good team. They did push back in the second, but Calgary stood strong and then got a couple themselves to put it away late in the period. Like, it was just against a team as good as Minnesota has been this year. I know they've been sliding a little bit as of late, but, like, as good as they are as a whole, like, it was really impressive to see to see them come back with really a blowout win at home against a very good team. Yeah, and you could think too, like, oh, all right, if they won four to three or three to two, something like that, good. You know, it was a good bounce back they handled, but they like literally handled Minnesota. I mean, seven to three. I did not go into that game seeing that score. Typically, when the Flames play the Wild, it's two to one, three to two, it's some low scoring, boring, you know, in the mud type affair. But Gordy, speaking of in the mud, guys that. I didn't expect in that game to actually play as well as they did was I mean, Trevor Lewis has been what he's been all season. I've had no problems with his play, but that veteran fourth line played really well with Brad Richardson and Brett Ritchie out there. Um, the flames made some changes. Rajitska uh, got the seat for the night, but they, that line looked pretty good. And if you can win seven to three with those guys on the ice, things are going well. Yeah. A hundred percent depth is one of the most important things you can have in this league. And Having two veteran guys who have been, you know, heavily criticized this year come back into the lineup and, you know, they didn't do anything fancy. They just came out and played a good solid line as a fourth line and they're going to get rewarded again tonight. Like you guys have said, Minnesota has been kind of a very surprising team this year. They're right up there with everybody else. And I mean, who would have thought we'd be excited to see them after almost two years like they were one of the worst matchups pre COVID. And then suddenly two entire years have suddenly gone by between games, which was kind of a bizarre feeling. And I mean, we'd probably be a lot more complimentary this game and it would have got a lot more attention if things hadn't kind of fallen apart in the last five minutes with some bizarreness, but yeah, to Foley's best game as a flame so far, it's awesome to see how he can move the puck and, uh, has really started to develop some chemistry with that top power play line. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. And so they chop they jump right back in it uh, Tuesday night. They're at Minnesota. Uh, so it's back to back against the wild cam Talbot's going to get the start uh, old friend from Calgary. Um, do you think this gives Minnesota, I don't know if it's a slight advantage to this game, but it gives them a little bit of a, a little bit of an edge because Talbot's now facing his former team where he became the starting goalie in the playoffs for the Flames that year de facto. Uh, Michael, do you think Talbot's going to make a difference? I mean, all, he, was, he was a fan favorite when he was here. You know, solid goaltender that Calgary had. Yeah, I'm, I'm always kind of torn on the whole goalie starting against his former team thing because on one hand, like, he kind of knows – where these guys like to shoot, but at the same time, the shooters know where how to beat this goalie from all the practice they've had against each other. And like, I don't know, Talbot was a one-year guy, so I don't know if it's going to be like that much of a stretch. It's not like if, uh, like when Markstrom would go back to Vancouver or something, it's not quite that extent, but I, I think it's going to be a good game. Talbot's had a really good season with Minnesota. Actually, the last two years, he's been really good with the Wild. So I think the Flames are going to have a real challenge with him, but I don't think it really has anything to do specifically with that. He's a former Flame. I think it's just going to be a tough place to play. Minnesota's pretty ridiculous at home this year. I think they're like 16-4-1. Like they're just, it's going to be a challenge, but not really for anything. I think outside of just Minnesota as a whole team is really good. Yeah, they are 16-4-1 at home. And um, Talbot, 19-11-1, goals against, 9-10 save percentage, all-star this year. Uh, Gordy, as long as he doesn't fight Jacob Markstrom, everything's going to be good, right? 
<laughs> well, if he does fight Jacob Markstrom, that might not end uh, good in his favor after how he performed against Mike Smith. But yeah, it, it, this kind of matchup would almost be a bigger deal for Cal or for Cam Talbot, sorry, more than anybody else, just because Calgary, even though it was only one year, it's kind of where he resurrected his career and leveraged himself into being the wild starter now. So. I mean, it, there seems to be a amount of Flames fans that seem to think there's going to be some kind of revenge for what happened to Shillington last game. I believe I got told to uh, pull my head out of my A for thinking it wasn't even a <laughs> penalized worthy call. But I, I don't think any of that's going to translate to next game. Um, I think when Calgary had that home and home with St. Louis earlier in 2022, where they really handled the Blues at home and then went back and kind of had the same situation happen to them. I'd, I'd like to see them kind of double down on an opponent like this, kind of even though they, you know, maybe are supposed to lose this as the other team fights back. It'd be nice to see them maybe win a game they're not necessarily supposed to, especially against a top Western opponent. So I, I do think a win would be very important for them, just, just given the um, situation that happened with the Blues a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's like they blew the Blues out and then they went and they struggled with St. Louis. I would love to see Calgary come out, put two goals in early, kind of put the, the Wild on their heels and then do what the Flames can do, which is, yes, they can still score while they're holding a lead. But this team holds a lead really well, Michael. They play really heavy, really tough. They check. The forecheck's good. Their back check's good. They're all over the ice. Uh, they're a tough team to play against when they get a lead. And I think Calgary can put a couple goals in early against Minnesota. They can make life difficult for them. Yeah, totally. It's... um. It's, I think, like you said, it's going to come down to kind of who has the better first period. Like both teams have been pretty good at putting games away this year when they've gotten up. And for the Wild, they're a team that's probably starting to feel a bit of pressure. I think they've lost three in a row now. They've lost in Ottawa, lost in Toronto, lost in Calgary. And that's some of those streaks start to build up pretty quick. And they're in the Central Division, which has had some pretty good teams this year. Uh, like obviously the Avalanche, no one's catching them, but. They're right there with uh, Nashville and St. Louis kind of battling to try and get home ice in that first round, which is going to be huge there. So I, I think you're going to see a Minnesota team that's going to be back home. They're going to come out firing, and it's going to be a big challenge, I think, for the Flames between them and Colorado later in the week. Like it's They've got two tough road games this week, but I'm excited to see how the Flames kind of respond and deal with it. Yeah, Minnesota uh, has dropped five of their last six. They lost to the Jets six to three, the Panthers six to two, then they smoked the Oilers seven to three. But a four three loss to the Senators, a three one loss to the Maple Leafs, and then the seven three loss to Calgary. So things aren't uh, exactly going the way Minnesota would like them. Uh, the touch on Oliver Shillington. Apparently, he was back at practice today. He was skating, no issues. He seems like he's good to go. Daryl Sutter after that game was almost yeah, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> like, okay, Daryl, he just got like body slammed into the board. Yeah, it's fine. Um, seemed to say he got the wind knocked out of him, and then he was complaining about shoulder and neck. So he seems like he's going to be cleared. The Flames haven't made a move to bring anybody up. So that tells you he's ready to go, or maybe Michael Stone's going to hop in. But, um, Gordy, I'm kind of with you. I thought the play was just weird. It didn't look like then when it was any ill intent on that play of someone trying to get Shillington. It was just a weird. It's just it looked odd and it looked, but sometimes, um, you know, anybody who's refereed a sport or played a sport, sometimes things that aren't bad look weird just because they happen in an odd scenario. Uh, Gordy, you want to continue on with your thoughts on the Shillington hit? Yeah. And like, for sure, you can give them a holding the stick or a holding the call or a, yeah, just a holding call. It's not a big deal, but I mean, if Shillington just hits the ice there or hits more of the boards, it's, it's a non-discussion. He just, 
God, when I saw that real time, though, like how bad did it look? How his yeah. head hit? Though, like I was, there was a couple seconds there where he was laying there, where you know you're just looking for him to move or something. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like Ryan Hartman's not a dirty player. Shillington had reached his stick and arm, you know, really deep into Hartman to try to poke the puck away. They both turn at the same time. It's just a freak play. You can you can be shocked at the violence of the play without having to you know find someone culpable for it. It's it's a nothing play. Chillington's okay. Like I, I think we can just move on from then. Yeah, Michael, that looked like some sort of old school wrestling hip toss. Like it was weird just the way it happened. But I'm with yeah. you. I didn't find it egregious or dirty or anything like that. It's just the way Shillington hit the boards was awkward. Yeah, I would just say like I think it's a reminder that at the end of the day, this is a game that's very pla- very fast, but still played on ice. And like sometimes mm-hmm. like things like this are just gonna happen. Um I don't know. I, I was on Twitter saying like I kind of tried to break it down into a few frames. Like it's it's a play like any other play. Like Shillington's defending, he gets in to kind of separate the man from the puck. They kind of get tangled up. Both guys turn, and just the way kind of Shillington's stick gets stuck in with Hartman, he just kind of whips around and loses his grip on his stick and goes flying into the boards. It's just a it's a total freak play. I I'm with Gordy. I don't think there should have been a penalty either on the play. Like I. I, I see why they called it. it was so violent. Like they probably realized they had to say something, but like, I don't really see exactly what Hartman could have done differently. I don't think Shillington really could have done anything differently. I think it's just a, uh, this is a very fast game with very fast players played on a frozen surface. Sometimes things like that are going to happen as much as it sucks. It's, as you mentioned before too, it's, it's being played by players on skates on ice. You're <laughs> literally standing on knives on ice, you know, like these things are going to happen. And to quote my daughter from the other night, we were at the UMass Lowell Long Island university game and a guy from um, this kid Fox from Long Island destroyed a UMass Lowell kid in the corner, right on the, uh, right on the half wall. And she turns around and she looks at me, she goes, hockey is so violent. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> she was so fired up. So, you know, but that's going to happen. You got two guys moving. Shillington's a fast skater. Again, you're on a very, very thin blade up off the ice. It's, I always say hockey to me. I love hockey. It's next to lacrosse. It's my favorite thing in the world, but I just, I have to sit there and wonder who was the guy who was sitting around us one day. He's like, you know, I got these boots and these two knives and a pond in my yard. What can I do with these three things and combine them? I got a great idea. Let's throw these on my shoes and go for a walk. Like, it's just the craziest thing. The fact that watching guys skate and women skate in the, just the, the, I don't know, what's the word, not the beauty of it, just the pageantry of it, like how you can make the game look so effortless, but then things like that happen. It reminds you that, yes, you are, again, on a slippery surface on very sharp things. So um, I think we're all in agreement. We're glad Shillington's okay, but uh, we also don't think Hartman is a horrible, evil, disgusting person who should be banned from the league. And, you know, we're glad everybody's okay, and we move on. Um, we will talk about a hit, though, on the other side of the break that uh, one of our uh, colleagues is not too thrilled about. It. I've watched it a few times, and, well, maybe legal, maybe not necessary. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute after we take a quick break here on The Tinderbox. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
And welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Michael, Gordy today. Uh, we just covered the Oliver Shillington uh, issue, which is now a non-issue. How about Sam Bennett? Um, I'm kind of disappointed Maddie's not on here because she was all fired up. This is a slightly older topic. Um, forgive me, I don't remember the player that he hit, but Sam Bennett, the Panthers were playing the Columbus Blue Jackets last week. Uh, I think Columbus was up 5-3 at that point. This guy was coming in for an empty net goal. And Bennett took, what, 10 strides <laughs> towards him and absolutely annihilated this guy, just leveled him. Uh, Maddie immediately, I hate Sam Bennett. The message comes in <laughs> immediately as the hit happened. Um, maybe it's just because I don't like Sam Bennett. I didn't really like the hit either. I didn't think it was necessary. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on Bennett's uh, kerplosion from the other night? Um, it's it's Sam Bennett doing what Sam Bennett does. He, he <laughs> likes to throw these big hits and... I was just trying to remember if he actually ended up getting penalized on the play or not. Cause like, it was one of those ones where it's like, as a whole, you're like, that's gotta be illegal. But like, you kind of look at, break it down. It's like individually, I don't know what exactly is illegal about it, but just when you put it all together, it kind of felt like what the heck was that? So I don't, I, I was kind of annoyed by it. Like I think it was, I think it was Cole Sillinger, the rookie too, that he hit. So I kind of felt yeah. bad for the kid too, that like <laughs> you just come out and Sam Bennett's coming flying across the ice to hit you. But like, I get. I guess at the same time, it's the NHL that's going to happen, and whether or not it's legal or illegal, it's you, you know there's guys that are going to have their head up next time for that. And I I don't know. He didn't get suspended for it. I can't even remember if he actually got even penalized for it. So I I really don't have a ton to say to it other than yeah, it was just it seemed unnecessary. But I guess you're trying to win a game late. You can't blame him too much either. Well, yeah, and it, you look at the hit. I mean. It definitely seemed to me, I, I'm going to go the term unnecessary. And I know there's no, it, you're not going to call unnecessary. It's just, it seemed unnecessary to me. I guess you would, could call it unsportsmanlike if you wanted whatever, because the hit wasn't necessary. And Sillinger actually had his head up. People were killing him, like, skate with your head up, kid. But like, you saw him coming. Like, he was looking at it. But Bennett hit him shoulder to chest. You know, he didn't hit him in the head. I, I don't know, Gordy, your thoughts as somebody who's played hockey, still plays hockey. I, I didn't like it, but at the same time, I'm like, what can you do about it? Yeah, it was it was like a really awkward looking hit too. Like the after they make contact, like Cylinder falls backwards and Bennett like somehow like one eighties in the air. Like it just looks weird. And every replay of it, there's only like one camera angle of the whole hit. Like I still haven't seen like another angle of it. But I mean, I don't really care that Cylinder's eighteen years old. He should be a flame, but I don't care that he's eighteen years old. <laughs> it, it is a kind of an unnecessary hit by Bennett, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's he didn't get penalized. He didn't get suspended. Cylinder was fine. It's it's just a stupid play by Bennett in reality because he could have been penalized there. And I mean, as much as I respect his offensive breakout, like the more competitive Bennett seems to get and the more engaged he is, he's he tries to, you know, change the momentum of a game or leave his mark on a game with a play like that. And it, it a lot of the time just does more harm than good. Yeah, it's like the more fired up Bennett gets, the dumber he gets, which is <laughs> which is a whole different scenario. But yeah, so Patty, we tackled it for you. Uh, I think all of us think it's a yucky play, but um, you win the uh, fired up award for the week for being totally cranked up on Sam Bennett. So uh, you can have that one. Bennett, uh, nothing happened. So and he's been struggling a little bit. He's only got three points in like his last nine games. And it's hard to imagine he's got two goals in his last three games, but he's got almost uh, 19, I think he's got 19 shots on goal. So it's, he's back to just doing Sam Bennett things. So um, that 
covers that. Uh, to get a little more serious, um, the IHF came down with its ruling today on Russia and Belarus, and they are done from pretty much everything. Um, I think everybody expected this, especially with FIFA coming out already today, banning Russia from their world qualifying matches. Um, Russia's not going to be playing any uh, soccer slash football uh, anytime soon. Um, here is, I'm just reading from the IHF uh, press release. Uh, so the 2022 Continental Cup uh, coming up in March, Belarus it will not participate. Uh, 2022 IHF uh, U18 Championship, no Russia, no Belarus. Same thing for the Hockey World Championship. Same thing for the Women's uh, Under-18 World Championship. Same thing for the World Junior Championship. Um, same thing for the Women's World Championship. Uh, the Russian Olympic Committee Women's National Team would not participate either. Um, the games that Russia was supposed to host as well in 2023 for the world juniors have been pulled from russia um pretty much until further notice russia and belarus will not be playing hockey internationally teams are fleeing the khl um we don't have to get into the whole political situation but like pretty big news coming out of the hockey world today michael with what the ih the iihf has done and i'm assuming the ioc will take a hard look at this as well especially if fifa and you know the soccer football community are getting involved yeah i think the one thing that's going to be worth watching is just um if this eventually reaches some sort of resolution which it's hard to say right now i know they're the sides are talking but it'd be interesting to see if they did end up reinstating these two countries into a tournaments this year or something i know there's a lot of there'd be a lot of outrage either way but it, it's something we all expected to come down i think now we kind of i think the next thing we're kind of looking at is the world juniors in the summer Russia was going to be in it, obviously, and then Belarus would have been the next team who would have been uh, promoted if a team dropped out like Russia. So I think we're looking at like Latvia or someone. Um, but I, I don't know where the NH or where the IHF goes if they these two sides eventually make peace if things kind of come out. Like, do they keep these kind of things on Russia or do we kind of see them relax a bit? I just think that it's the right thing to do right now. It's the obvious thing to do, but. I think it could get a lot more interesting if things are eventually resolved in the coming months here. Last I had heard, too, about teams that would replace them, France and Austria would be the two teams that would have been added in. Um, Gore, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, it's it's pretty big news out of the hockey world because we all know for years the Russians were one of the most powerful teams that played. Um, it was, you know, Russia, Canada. You know, um, uh, your thoughts on this? Yeah, like maybe as small of an impact sport seemed to be given, you know, the extreme gravity of what's going on, it, it, they're not nothing sanctions. I mean, no. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that all this is occurring very, very shortly after the Olympics, because I, you know, we all know that Putin is a large hockey fan. Russia was heavily favored for the gold medal in hockey. And I mean, the Winter Olympics are, are a you know, Russian specialty as well. So he knows he would have been banned from that. He knows Russia and, you know, all these sanctions would have occurred in the Olympics as well. So it's a little dirty feeling the fact that he maybe you know this all this whole uh sporting spectacle happened and then he he gets to do his thing so i think it's you know like everything mike said's right it's it has to be done at the same time hopefully resolution is reached and then this can all you know work itself out yeah, you somewhat feel bad for the kids that are playing, you know, the eight, 17 year olds and the 16 year olds and the 20 year old kids who aren't, you know, making any of the decisions. But you really can't allow 
something like that to continue like it makes total sense i mean the olympic committee has done this with countries before so it makes sense that the iihf would come out with their ruling today so um yeah russia and belarus uh not going to be playing hockey for the foreseeable future um there was no cutoff date so i think that leaves the iihf its chance to not back out of it but to you know uh, maybe um shorten or make the sanctions not so strong if resolution is released uh, reached between russia and the ukraine um putting that aside uh good news from 12 years ago it's the 12-year anniversary of the golden goal jerome mcginla to Sidney crosby where canada wins gold in vancouver over the united states um i just said you guys it's hard to believe that goal is 12 years old i remember watching it happen at my house and being like so disappointed because team usa lost but at the same time so excited because aginla was in the spotlight and got the assist uh michael your memories of that that game um i just remember like everybody was nuts for probably a week leading up to that game just as kind of canada kind of made their run after they stumbled a bit in the opening round and then probably for like a week to two after like people were still just going nuts about it. It was one of those moments where like it was more than just hockey in Canada. I think just like that whole Olympics was pretty awesome. And it's still one of those things like anytime you just happen to stumble across like that highlight on YouTube, like you have to click it and watch it just because you know how crazy everyone went. Like it's one of those moments where everyone in Canada like knows where they were when it happened. And it's still like, it's going to stick around for like generations. Like it's probably one of the, biggest canadian moments in history really i mean honestly i think i tweeted out after the game i i vaguely remember the tweet because i got i was shocked at like people from the states gave good responses to it but i said i don't care what country you're from or who you were rooting for it was just a hell of a hockey game gordy i mean it's just for it to come down to that to have one of the best players to ever suit up for canada and in the nhl feeding the next generation of the great from canada uh and the nhl was just something to see yeah, the the emotions of that game, just even watching on TV as an 11 year old was insane. I mean, I remember when it was either Parise or Langenbrunner scored in the final couple seconds to tie it and send it to overtime. And that feeling was just as devastating as losing almost like it felt like the game was in serious jeopardy there. And then just to have that pure elation of having, you know, your hometown hero assist the you know the hockey superstar at the time on that goal like it was just it was almost a story that was written it was it was perfect from beginning to end and yeah half my life later it's still burned just as vividly in my memory I think the biggest surprise out of that whole thing is you saying you were 11 years old when it happened. <laughs> I was I was 33 when that goal happened, <laughs> sitting on the couch with my one and a half year old watching it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's still to this day, to this day one of the it's it's a great play to watch, even no matter where you're from, because it was at that point the two best teams going at each other, and it came down to that goal, and it was just, I mean, it, that's such a big win for Canada to happen in their country during the Olympics over the United States. I mean, for you guys, it doesn't get much better. But even as a, you know, as, as, you know, just some dumb American down the road, like still, like I like, to me, that was just a hell of a game. It was so much fun to watch. And in the end, would it have graded Team USA had won gold? Sure. But you know what? Watching Canada do that and again, having a huge hand in it was just, it was just great to watch. So um, all for it. Uh, quickly before, Gordy's got some uniform news for us. Uh, did you guys, <laughs> I sent the tweet to you guys today from... <laughs> 
from Brendan Perlini's mom on Twitter. Uh, the Oilers say, Oilers roster move. Brendan Perlini has been placed on waivers. His mom <laughs> replies, pretty darn bad when the player has to find out from his mom off Twitter, don't you think? <laughs> the Oilers season is already going into the toilet. Moms are calling out the Oilers. Uh, anybody got a thought? It is such a funny phenomenon in today's world where sometimes it's not even the mom. It's like, you know, for all we know, Perlini himself found out on Twitter. Like, it's, it's just so funny how news gets disseminated nowadays. I know. Michael, it's just the, the responses are like, everybody should be fired because of this. Like, it was just, I just love that his mom's like, hey, guys, call the kid. Like, Well, yeah, it's it's amazing. Like, it's the little things in the sport like that that, leave players with a good uh feeling about your organization or not like how hard is it even just to shoot the guy a text or like <laughs> give him a call it's three minutes out of your day just be like hey we're we put you on waivers because of x y and z we might keep you up we might send you down like it's it, it goes a long way just like a touch of respect and like for that to happen like it's just and for to, of course it's the oilers like it's just another thing and they're kind of like cupboard of chaos over the last couple of years and like just 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 be better Edmonton like as much as I enjoy watching them crash and burn like <laughs> at some point you kind of would hope somebody there would be like hey can we like be a little bit better at all this and so far the answer is no by the way you need a copyright cupboard of chaos that's fantastic <laughs> that's 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 going to be like your corner on like a hockey night show or something like that um yeah and at some point guys with Edmonton Ed, uh, Gordy what point does Mike Smith finally snap he's going to lose it at some point right he has to like, not that he's Mike been they have Mike Smith signed for another year past this. Like, I, like it's unfathomable. How did he get a second year on this contract? No, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it's like, it, it, they're talking about potentially making moves for goalies, but like, what are you going to do, Michael? I mean, it's like, you're looking down the barrel of Smith and Koskinen trying to get in the playoffs, and you're looking at Dreisaitl and McDavid. They both got to be, at what point do they start banging the drum to get me the hell out of here? Yeah, they, they got to do something with their goalies. Like, I know they have Stuart Skinner, who's been pretty good this year. He's in the AHL right now. Like, I'm sorry, Mike Smith, but at some point, you, you just got to cut cut loose, wave him, and maybe he'll retire after this year. But just the vibe he's bringing to the Oilers right now, too, where he's, like, letting in the sixth goal of the game and then giving death stares to people <laughs> on his team. Like... It, and I know he did that with the Flames, too, and I'm suddenly not too shocked that the, the the Flames of the couple years he was here didn't seem like they always got along. But, like, it's just the arrogance of his game where he's, like, an like in the 800s for save percentage, but, like, basically staring down his teammates every time he gets scored on whether or not it's a good goal. Like, it just I, – I don't know how he's – like, I know he's played a long time. I don't really know how he's managed. Like, I don't think he just developed this personality trait the last couple of years. Like, he, he it's just – the, the, I don't know why in any universe they went with a two-year deal for him, like Gordy said. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And then for him to be this full of himself while being like a maybe third-string goalie at best on a lot of other teams, it just it's ridiculous. But the Oilers keep playing him. So, I mean, as a fan of their rival, I keep I don't going. feel too, too bad about it. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching a highlight clip of him, like goals he's allowed in. And so many of them are like between the elbow and the, in the side. They're like breezing past his jersey and he's like flipping out afterwards or it's that classic mike smith he's laying down on his stomach as the shot goes top corner you know which makes no sense but maybe maybe it was never noticed because he played with the coyotes and nobody cares about the coyotes and nobody goes to games so you know all four thousand people you know would have had a good shot at uh watching him play but yeah it's just it doesn't seem to be working and it's okay because it's on full-on self-destruct mode from 
from being the top team not too long ago in the Pacific to what being in ninth now, like being, like, you're being close to the bottom is just not good at all. So yay, go Edmonton. Um, Gordy, uh, Gordy's corner, have at it. You got some info about the avalanche. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, bring up a pretty clear-cut example of like a team that's kind of picked and changed their their look over the last couple of years. And it, I mean, it deserves to be recognized. So the Avalanche at the beginning of the 2020-21 season changed from black helmets, black pants, and black gloves to the all blue they wear today, which... I mean, an avalanche highlight popped up on YouTube or Twitter or something the other day where they had the the black um, uh, surrounding gear, and it just it just looks so bad. And then they've further refined it this year. They've changed the colors of their jersey numbers as well to be blue. So they've essentially scrapped black from their uniform altogether, which is <clears throat> what teams need to do. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted to shout them out for how well they've been looking. I The Flames have not or have shown that they're fine with changing small things. I mean, it's been kind of um, it was kind of not a big deal, but they I, they added like very, very slight detail to their logo either this year or last, which I mean, if they're doing that, like change the freaking chin straps first <laughs> this <laughs> so is the hill see. gordy will die on <laughs> on gordy's tombstone let's say they should have had red chin straps and you're right it's such a cheap fix chin straps are so so uh not expensive by the way i will correct the oilers are not at the bottom of the division it was kind of being facetious they are in fourth place because i know somebody will pick up on that and be like you don't know the division <laughs> like relax take a deep breath they suck um back to uniforms um no i'm with you did you guys see the kings the other night they did a star wars theme night where they had the logo that looked like the star wars logo and it said la kings and they were they were neat they were black and like yellow trim jerseys kind of Bruin style but then they wore those freaking notre dame style <laughs> silver helmets like the ugliest michael i hate those silver helmets i hate that vegas wears those stupid gold helmets i think they look dumb did you did you guys see any of those those kings uniforms they had yeah i saw them it's it's i don't know i i i don't get too fired up about it like i think it's one of those things that's like people are going to talk about it in la or in vegas um i don't know it's like a hockey purist it's kind of like why are you doing that? Just like wear the standard helmets, but it, it's a talking point. And I, I don't know. I don't hate them too much, but it's kind of at the same time. It is kind of a little too far. Like the, the, the shine is a bit too much for like a bright silver helmet. And I think we've gone over this a couple of times too. reverse retros are coming back next year. Um, should Calgary just go back to Blasty? Cause they seem to work. They look good while they're in the ice. Are they going to do something? You know, are they going to go pedestals? You think you think they'll bring back in because it's not like the flames have a, massive history with like different jerseys they can wear yes they have the pedestals they did blasty um they have the stanley cup ones they also have the initial reebok ones which aren't too different other than you know the v and the stripe at the waist uh th just bring it back or should they try something different i think the the problem with blasty now is becoming if if the canucks keep this flying skate which people love there they just they look so similar. Yeah. Like the stripes at the bottom are nearly identical. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. I love Blasty, but they, they might have wanted to stick with kind of the heavier red bottom, like the original yeah. one. It's just, it's so close to it. Watching those two teams play the other night and then looking at, you know, footage of the Flames and Blasty last year, it's like, <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> what if they go white Blasty? <laughs> that would be, be cool. I don't know. I, what about the Heritage Classic? 
Bring back that jersey. Bring back the Ronald McDonald red and white stripe with a maroon and white stripe with the tan pants. I'm a big fan of that. I'm pushing for that now. Uh, no. <laughs> Michael's no. a hard no on that one. All right, no. Gordy, you a hard no on that too, or do you have good taste like me? I like the heritage, but they can't bring back the white pants. That that was the big problem with those ones. They got to find some different pants if they do that. All right, fair enough. Hey, another crazy uniform talk. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are bringing back old Bruce the Buck. They're going creamsicle uh, retro throwbacks next year during the NFL season. I guess they were planning to do it uh, this year, but they ended up having uh, supply chain issues and stuff, so they couldn't get them. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finally doing what's right in bringing back Bruce the Buck with the sword in his mouth and the feather in his hair and his cap, and they're going cr- full-on like bright orange creamsicle. I love it. Just in time to fade into post-Brady irrelevance. <laughs> well, it would make sense. They're going to go back to playing in the crappy uniforms where they were a crappy team. So it just it, it <laughs> cycles out perfectly. Um, got anything else anybody wants to add before we uh, close up fashion talk? Nope. Michael's good. He's Michael shut it down because I like because <laughs> I like white slash off-white pants. He's toast. So, um, Gordy, got anything else? Here, you good. Oh, I think I'm good on that topic. All right. Fantastic. Uh, Flames are back tomorrow night in action. They will be at Minnesota to take on the Wild. The Flames are 31, 14, and 6 in first place in the Pacific. The Wild, 31, 16, and 3, third in the Central Minnesota, clearly looking to uh, get a little bit of revenge on Calgary as Calgary thumped them on Saturday night by a score of 7 to 3. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can check us out on Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, or Amazon Music, just search up Matchsticks and Gasoline, and you can find this episode and past episodes of all of our podcasts there. We thank you all for joining us, and we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox.